I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's Extraordinary Etiquette. For Ordinary Occasions. Hello, my dear. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. Ah, <laughs> two in my head about it now. That was like our third take, trying yeah, to get well, it. I'm yeah. in my head now. It's on the sticker. Come on, so. <laughs> Hi, everybody. It's... You're still so endearing, so it's fine. Thank you. I love that. Thank you very much. Uh, we're back. I don't know. We didn't go we anywhere. Left. It's just every week. There's another one that comes out. Um, <laughs> and uh, it is week two of the Max Fun Drive. So if you haven't yet, uh, this is the last episode. You'll hear us talk about it uh, in 2023. Uh, so please consider going to MaximumFun.org slash join, becoming a supporter, supporting Schmanners and all the other amazing shows there. It allows us uh, to make this show to pay Alex, to pay Rachel, um, to do all the stuff we have to do for this, our job. Um, so if you love Schmanners and you would like to become a supporter, MaximumFun.org slash join. This is also part three of our sommelier series. Indeed. And if I remember correctly, it's beer and whiskey? Whiskey and... Whiskey and wine. We're, we've come full circle. We didn't do wine all right? We no, did wine? No, we did. But... That was kind of like the introduction, right? We're we're coming full circle is what we're doing. Okay. So if you um if you've so been now whiskey for, a... for my men, wine for my horses, which can't be good. <laughs> no. Uh if you've been listening for a while, you probably heard that we already did a couple episodes on beer. Oh yeah. Um, but if you haven't, please go back and listen to those. You can search loggers or ales. Uh, and find both of those. They are very extensive and very fun. Yes. So now we're doing... Now we are doing wine and whiskey so that you can look extra cool at your next sampling. Or not. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's cool to know nothing. I don't know where we're at these days. Sometimes it's cool to know about stuff. Sometimes it's not cool to know about stuff. And I never know where we're at. And in general, it's it's okay not to know about stuff as long as your your mind is open to new experiences. I think that's what that's it is. That's beautiful, babe. Uh, babe, that was beautiful. Hey, thanks. Thanks. Okay. Okay. Um, so, let's do whiskeys first. Whiskey, then wine. Whiskey, then wine. I don't think that's the right order. Never. Whis- whiskey, then wine. Always divine? Always no? fine. Always fine. No, I don't think that's, that's actually it. true. No. <laughs> it's always uh, a little bit of whiskey and a lot of water. Beer than whiskey, feeling frisky. Oh, Is yeah. that it? No, 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 no. Beer before liquor, never sicker. Liquor before beer, never fear. Is that it? In the clear, I thought. In the clear? I don't know. Drink clear beer. <laughs> like a Smirnoff Ice or a Zima. <laughs> Gross. Do they still make Zima? I don't think that they okay. do. I, I mean, everybody's into Mike's Hard now, right? They make Wait, a ton of stuff. is everybody into Mike's Hard now? You know what I mean. I don't have, Oh, you mean like seltzers? Yeah, seltzers. Yeah. Yeah, everybody is into seltzers. Seltzers is, oh my God, baby, you're right. Yeah. Seltzers, clear beer. Oh, boy. Okay. It all comes full circle. Because it's a malt beverage. But just like Zima was. Zima was a malt beverage? It's got to be. I thought it was like a wine cooler. Oh, I got to look now. Okay, oh, you start okay. talking about whiskey. All right. 
So bourbon and whiskey tastings have been rising in popularity since 2010. Um, not Zika, which is what I started to look up. Not That's that. a different thing. Uh, not to say that they didn't exist before that, but it came became a kind of like, you know, a hashtag or whatever. <laughs> okay. She did it with her fingers, everybody. No, it's a malt beverage. Yeah, it's, oh, it's a, malt a malt beverage. beverage. Yeah. yeah. All the cool people started doing it. So here are some tips if you find yourself at a distillery and want to feel extra fancy. Tips from the bourbon experts on the Whiskey Rebellion Trail. As always, it is awesome if you know that you are going on one of these tastings to do a little bit of research. Watch a documentary. Find out, you know, what you're in for. Um, And, you know, that will be a really great way to have kind of a, a... someplace for your instinct to lead you, Mm. right? Um, So here are a couple of facts. Whiskey was originally a medicinal beverage. Sure. People used it as an internal anesthetic and antibiotic. Okay. I mean, because you drink enough of it, it'll take you right out. I mean, sure. That's it, right? You can't feel pain if you're passed out. And I mean, it, it would probably... It would probably kill... Some germs? Well, I mean, it's not really that high in alcohol content. So, Sydney has done a couple of episodes where this has come up. Uh, Sydney, if you don't know, Justin, Travis's brother, and our sister-in-law, Sydney, uh, do a medical podcast called Sawbones, a medical history podcast. Um, and this came up, actually. The latest one that I recall was in a medical questions show. Where if you got food poisoning, if you could potentially like kind of like clear out the bug by drinking, right? Yeah. And the answer is no. Oh. Um, because of the way that digestion works, the way that food poisoning works, um, you would pretty much have to kill whatever bacteria was in the food first with some sort of spirit um, and then eat it. I see. So that that doesn't work. You can't just eat the thing and once you feel bad, start drinking whiskey. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, no, no. That Yeah, usually start feeling bad and then start drinking whiskey is never a good combination. <laughs> yeah. Then you just feel terrible and you're drunk. Yeah. Um, and then usually you feel terrible and you're hungover. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's extra, extra bad. Are you going to go into the requirements for something to be called bourbon? I will later. Okay, great. Yes, definitely. The distilling methods we have today didn't really originate until the beginning of the 12th century, Mm. where they were relegated mostly to like apothecaries and monasteries in Ireland and Scotland. Sure. So once the immigrants from those places came to the U.S., they brought their whiskey traditions along with them. And if you would like to learn a little bit more about this history, the Whiskey Rebellion Trail also recommends that you brush up on the impact of Prohibition era. Oh, boy. The Industrial Revolution. And also, they have a great amount of information on women's impact on whiskey. Indeed. Um, Like wine, and we've talked about, it's important to know your regions, right? So the primary places that whiskey come from is Ireland, Scotland, Canada, the United States, and Japan. Mm. Yeah. Has a has a, a lively whiskey industry as well. Um, 
And so, you know, wherever you are, it's a great idea to kind of learn a little bit about the different qualities uh, of those regions. And even within that, uh, I mean, there's different kinds of American whiskey, obviously. Of course But I would is. say if we're talking about scotch, the region that it comes from in Scotland has a huge impact. Absolutely. Uh, like there's a huge difference, you know, between like Islay and uh, Highlands and all that stuff of, yes. is it going to be peaty? Is it, you know, all that stuff. And because, exactly like you said, um, I like whiskey, a space side myself. <laughs> whiskey has to have the grain mash, right? Um, which is usually uh, composed of malted barley, rye, corn, or wheat. And then it also needs to have water, right, after distillation. Sure. Water is added to achieve the aspired alcohol percentage by volume. And then what you were talking about is the flavor additives, right? And peat. Oh, sure. For Scott, yeah. Peat is definitely one of the flavor additives of scotch. Yeah, when you get that smoky, mm-hmm. that's, that's peat, baby. Yep. So botanicals, spices, flavorings, colors, all of this can be added to achieve a distinctive character or appearance in color. I mean, the, one of the number one things is when you finish distilling any kind of whiskey, it's clear. Yeah. It is clear, and then it is aged in um, charred barrels, and that from soaking into the wood and the char, right, that's where it gets that really lovely brown amber color. Right. Uh, But whiskey straight out the gate, clear. And also you can add to the the color and flavor uh, depending upon what the barrels have been used before. Correct. To do. Yeah, so there's an interesting thing, an interesting fact. uh, Here in the U.S., uh, so if you're talking about bourbon, right, the qualifications to be called bourbon. So bourbon has to be at least 51% corn. Right. Um, it can be no more than 160 proof, which is 80% alcohol by volume. No more than that. That's still pretty high. That's a lot. Um, like 200 is the most you can go. Uh, I love, by the way, that proof is like, it's just double the percentage wise. And it just seems arbitrary at this point to be like, we're calling it 160 proof. Well, why don't we just stick with 80%? I said what I said. (laughs) Um, And then bourbon uh, must not be introduced into the barrel at higher than 125% or 125 proof. So it's distilled to 160 proof, put in the barrel, so usually by adding water, bringing it down Mm -hmm. to 125. And then it has to be aged a minimum of two years. Uh, Then it can be called straight bourbon. And if it is aged for a period less than four years, it must be labeled with the duration of the aging. Um, if an age is stated on the label, it must be the age of the youngest whiskey in the bottle. So if it's blended. Right. Right. You That's need true the for youngest. scotch as well. And only whiskey produced in the United States can be called a bourbon. So here's the thing about the barrels, though, that I feel really interesting. First of all, also, anyone who tells you it has to be, like, from, like, to Bourbon County or whatever. No, that's not I true. I mean... Originally, yes. Originally, but not now. Not now, technically, no. It does not have to be. It's more about the process than the location. It's not like champagne. It's different from that. Some some would argue with you. Alex would argue, but... What, that, it, <laughs> that it's different from champagne or that it has no, to be from... No, that it, it's the same as champagne, where it has to be from Kentucky. It doesn't have to be from Kentucky. I know. Because Tennessee, like... I know. Okay. Anywho, <laughs> I'm saying... That is not an argument you want to get into with That's not the official reasoning. Yes. Uh, but the charred barrel thing that I find very interesting is here in the U.S., there is a law 
on the books, I think to, produ- to protect coopers who are barrel makers, but the idea is you can only use the barrels like once. Yeah. Um, because it changes the way that the whiskey tastes, obviously. I and- mean, sure, but scotch distilleries use barrels until the alcohol is soaked all the way through the staves. Right. Right. And so what you get is you get a lot of whiskey barrels, bourbon barrels, are then exported to like uh, Italy, um, any winemakers or scotch makers mm-hmm. to then continue to use the barrels there. Right. And the scotch makers go both ways, actually. Yeah. You can get, you can put your scotch in like sherry barrels, for mm, example, mm-hmm. and that gives it a distinct flavor as well. Yes. So one of the other things that you should do if you are going to embark on a whiskey uh, connoisseur adventure is you need a designated driver. A designated driver. But also get a whiskey glass. Mm. So the best glass is a one that is small and kind of bulbous, right, with a stem. Um, It has a rounded bottom with a slightly more narrow opening at the top. Just like me. (laughs) Which creates uh, the ideal conditions for swirling the beverage, and then the stem allows you to hold the glass without your hand, your body temperature. We have a couple of those in, from uh, Suda. impacting the temperature. Um, in Scotland, they call them a, a wee dram. Sure, or maybe just dram. A dram. I think a wee dram is like a fun way of saying like, oh, just a wee dram. But I think dram <laughs> is just what they call it. Uh, so, like wine, you are to smell the whiskey before you sip it, but. After so you pour the whiskey in the little the little whiskey glass the dram uh, you swirl it and then wait a second because if you swirl it right on your nose you'll just get alcohol yeah right um, you have to wait for that to kind of dissipate before you can smell it another thing you can do that we learned about when we were doing uh, scotch tastings in Scotland is uh, get dip your pinky in clean. Clean pinky, and then kind of rub it on the back of your hand, mm-hmm. and that helps the alcohol evaporate and leave behind a lot of like the smells and notes. Absolutely, uh, and you could smell it uh, better that way. Mm-hmm. Um, then after that, if you smell too much alcohol, right? If it if it gives you that kind of um, sting, yeah, right. You can add a couple drops of water um, to your own glass, and so that will open it up enough it kind of moves the oils away if you know what i mean it breaks the surface tension in a way yeah, you know like those things where you got the um pepper on the water and you put yeah. a little soap in and it goes pew. yeah kind of like that and that should make it so that you can actually smell anything other than the alcohols which Indeed. is which is fun i we like the smell of alcohol no of oh. whiskey i mean i like both um so then finding a good bottle of whiskey like wine, is highly subjective, okay? Mm. It doesn't have to have been, it doesn't have to be hundreds of years old, right? Because whiskey stops aging once it is put in the bottle, yeah. right? When once it's, it's out the barrel, it ain't going to be more whiskey than it was. Right. It doesn't change after that um, because the glass, that the bottle that it's in, doesn't allow any of the, the water to evaporate, right? Mm-hmm. Um I suppose that if you kept an open bottle of whiskey, it might change over time. But I also don't know how that would work with, like, sanitation. Would it, it? It's probably high enough alcohol that it wouldn't, like, mold, right? Yeah. But again, 
it doesn't it there's not enough evaporation from your bottle once it's out of the barrel um and so like the time that it puts into the bottle the time that it stays in the barrel into the bottle isn't going to change um so you can always find really great whiskeys that are that are pretty young right you've got like two year Three year, four year, and 12, then 15. 12, 15, and then the blends, right? Which a blend could have, you know, like a 24 year old whiskey that goes into the whiskey that's only labeled for four, right? Because it has to be the youngest in the in the bottle. The youngest, what do they call that? Um, the youngest? Poor? I don't, I don't know what they call it. There's a Pine word. Pine heart? Oh, no, that's from the distilling process. Yes. So don't get too hung up on the age of the liquor. And, you know, the only thing is when you're tasting multiple whiskeys, because they do get darker and heavier, right? You go from lightest to darkest, which is um, the youngest to oldest. Yes. Um, So also, if you are new to the whiskey world, know that there is a big flavor difference Mm -hmm. between rye and bourbon. Big difference. Right. Um, I don't mind rye. But it's not my thing. It's like the difference between like white bread and wheat bread. You know what I mean? I mean like yeah. it's it's like, yeah, they're both bread, but it's different versions of it. You Maybe know it's I mean? the difference between white bread and rye bread, which is another kind sure. of Sure. <laughs> sure. Okay, let's say sourdough and rye bread. <laughs> okay. Let's class them both up if yeah, we're gonna let's do that. Class them up. Uh, so here are some adjectives that you will find are uh, often used to describe the tastes of whiskey. We've got creamy, mm-hmm. oaky, sure, herbal, smoky. I bet smoky's in definitely there. smoky, peaty, like we said. Yeah, floral, sure, peppery, mm-hmm. and I mean, there's also vanilla is a very normal thing to taste in in a in a whiskey. Yeah. Um, you might also hear someone describe a spirit as austere, mm-hmm. which means straightforward flavor, right? Yeah. Where it's kind of just like one or two notes. And then rich, where mm-hmm. it has a more of a, let's say, a chord of notes, a highly sure. stacked chord. And then like middle class, or it's kind of in the middle. <laughs> not not, no? re- not okay. really. We've got just austere and rich. Sure. You know... Speaking of, no, I don't know. No, no. But no. MaximumFun.org <laughs> slash joy. Speaking of rich, if Insert. you're kind of an Uncle Pennybags type and you're wanting to support the arts, how about Insert that? Insert segue here. Yeah. Um, so we have been, uh, Schmanners has been a part of Max Fun from its inception. And uh, we joined, let's see, my brother, my brother and me joined Max Fun on, I want to say, episode like 32. And we're now on like 650 something. So we've been a part of Max Fun for a long time. It was 2016. We started when I was pregnant with. Schmanners started, yes. Yes. Schmanners did. We started, my brother, my brother, I think shortly before 2011, we joined uh, Max Fun. I think so. So we've been with Max Fun. I think this is our 12th Max Fun drive. And I was talking about this the other day. You've probably, if you listen to Spanners before, you've noticed that we do from time to time have advertisers. So uh, part of our finances do come from advertisers. But 
in the last three years, podcast advertising has, uh, for lack of a better term, dried up quite a bit. Um, as, I think that they were really zealous at the beginning. Well, there was a lot of money being thrown at podcasts, which was great. I love um, it. But now, as the you know, there's a recession going on and things have tightened up. One of the first areas that advertisers have cut is podcast advertising. But I was thinking about it. and I was talking about it the other day, and it occurred to me that like when an advertiser buys a spot on a podcast, they're looking for a return on investment that's like, I'm spending money in the hopes that I will make more money. Uh, but I think the thing that really always makes you feel a lot of gratitude during Max Fund Drive is the return on investment that Max Fund supporters expect is they just like the joy that they get from supporting the things that they like, of knowing that like, I... I'm, I don't expect to get money back from them. Like they're not trying to make money from supporting Schmanners. They just like Schmanners and they're choosing to support it. And I think that that's really, really wonderful. It makes me feel really grateful that, you know, there's, there's a lot of podcast networks out there, but I don't know another one that is so directly audience supported. Um, and I, I just mean so much to me that year after year people decide you know what, these things matter to me and I like these shows and I like these creators and I want to make sure that they can keep creating and like we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for, you know, Max Fund supporters. Um, and now, not only are we able to make it our full-time jobs, uh, but we've been able to bring in people like Alex as our researcher and Rachel as the editor and all the people that work with the McElroys to be able to make all the different things that we do. And that is directly because of the support you've shown us every year. Uh, so when you go to maximumfund.org slash join, you will choose a support level that works for you, starting as low as just $5 a month. You will then choose which shows you listen to, and a portion of your support goes to MaxFund so that they can continue to support us, but the majority of it gets split between the shows that you listen to. So if you pick four shows, then the majority of your support is split four ways for those four shows. And we love Max Fund so much at this point that we are also supporters. Yeah. And we spread that love around to the shows that we love to listen to as well. Indeed. Um, and so you are very, very directly supporting the shows you care about. So um, if you enjoy listening to Schmanners uh, or any of the other McRoy shows or any of the other Max Fun shows, uh, consider going to MaximumFun.org slash join. If you're already a supporter, maybe this is the year you consider upgrading your support level or even just boosting. If you're not ready to move up to the next support level, just giving a couple dollars more. Uh, a month, you can do that by boosting. So uh, please consider it MaximumFun.org slash join. Now let's talk about wine. Once again, we come around to wine. This, it feels, it feels like such a big topic, babe. It really is. The world of wine is ever expanding, it seems. You know, that's why I always love when you see a bottle of wine and it just is like red. I'm like, hey, thanks. Hey, awesome. Hey, thanks for not making me confused. I love- And then you see a bottle that says, like, Gewurzemeiner, and you're like, oh, man. Well, I really love that. Gewurzemeiner has too many letters in it. Can everybody agree? Tell, tell me how you really feel about the German language. I like Gewurzemeiner as a wine. It's lightly carbonated, very sweet. I enjoy it. There's so many letters. <laughs> There's the extra dots in there and everything. What are they doing? I told Bibi about Gesundheit the other day, and she said, that is a funny word. And I said, German is a great language. Yeah. They have lots of great words. If you are a writer who's getting paid by the letter, 
You should go work in Germany. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay. Um, so I was going to say that I really love the adage that if you like the label of wine, you should try it because you might like the wine that's inside. Sure. Yeah. I like that. Judge a book by its cover. Great, babe. Do great, it. great advice, babe. Do it. Uh, this is a great quote from Carol Meredith, who is a grape geneticist. Wow. And a professor emeritus at UC Davis. She told the documentary crew of Psalm Into the Bottle. I think people who are new to wine feel somehow that they should know all the stuff about wine before they can enjoy wine, before they can talk about wine, and that is really a shame. Yeah, no, man, just start talking about it. It's supposed to be great, right? And if you don't like it, you don't have to finish it. That's what I say. So here are a couple of tips for you to get the most— For me? For everyone. Oh. To get the most enjoyment out of the wine tasting process. And I really wish that I had read this before we did our— Our Our live stream? We didn't do a good job? We did an okay job. We did an all right job. I think we nailed it. But one tip in particular has to do with temperature. Oh. And I was very excited to learn this because we do try and keep our whites chilled and our reds at room temperature, except red wines need to be in the 60s. Uh, if it's sitting on your counter and your house is at 72 degrees, put it in the fridge for 15 minutes before you drink it so it will taste better. Oh. Uh, flip side for whites. If they're sitting at your fridge at 38 degrees, take them out 15 minutes before you serve them because the 50s is where they will show their full flavor. Or better yet, keep your house at 50 degrees. What about for red All wines? All the time. I mean, then you wrap those in little blankets. <laughs> I tend to run warm. So we, I, like to keep the temperature between like 67 and 68. Meanwhile, me and the children, like little match <laughs> matchstick waves. Please, mother. You can always. Mother, turn it up to 71, please. <laughs> you can always put more clothes on. That's why they I, make house coats. Up to a point, because after a while, you start to look like Violet Beauregard from uh, Willy Wonka, and you're just like rolling around like a big blueberry. <laughs> I would love to see one of our children roll around like I a big know. blueberry. I bet they would love that too, frankly. <laughs> All right. So maybe invest in a small wine fridge, right? Yeah. I know people who have wine fridges. I here's what I'll say. I think as we have already touched on, if you this is from somebody who when I get into a hobby or something, right, I want every accessory that's there, right? Long before I've learned all this stuff, right? I'm like, oh, there's accessories you say? Mm -hmm. Bring them on in. I would say uh, I am 39 years old. I have drank a lot of wine in my life. I don't own a wine fridge. So I think if you're saying, hey, if you want to take it to the next level, okay. wine fridge away. You want to get started, you don't need a wine fridge. <laughs> maybe maybe you don't need a wine fridge, but you do need some glassware. That okay? is true. Uh, don't we, just drink it out of like old jelly jars. Old jelly jars. I mean, then again, I say that. That's very West Virginia to me. I love that. <laughs> or coffee mugs as uh, as the, the college kids are wont to do. Okay. I'm just saying, listen, mason jars are really good for a lot of things. You can seal it up, take the wine with you. <laughs> That's one of my biggest problems with wine glasses. Portability. For example, champagne flutes are designed especially to preserve the sparkling quality of the wine, as well as guide aromas and flavors uh, evenly distributing throughout the glass. Do you like the flutes better than the like cups, Absolutely, the bowls? Absolutely, I do. 
The yeah. bowls are beautiful. So beautiful. And I love Very, to see. Very uh, Gatsby. Exactly. And I love to see uh, like a garnish on those bowls, like a great big uh, like dried orange slice or something. Yeah. I love that. Or like a, a, a sprig of, I don't know, rosemary or thyme or whatever, right? But it way easier lovely. to spill. So easy to spill, and the bubbles go away really fast. But if you're going to stack it up into a pyramid and pull from the top, you got to do the bowls. Got to do the bowls. On the other side of the spectrum, dessert wine glasses typically have a larger bowl to better augment the complex aromas and the higher alcohol content, right? We've talked about that before. Um, Can you tell me the difference between a stemmed glass and a just like a one you hold in your hands, like the difference between how you hold white wine and red wine, basically. Well, so um, if you are relying on your body temperature to augment your wine, one of those just bowl glasses without the stem is what you want to use, right? Because that is going to take a lot of your body temperature into the glass. Right. Whereas if you want to keep whatever you're drinking very chilled, Put some ice cubes in there. Um, uh, you, you, I don't. If you want to, listen. If you want to, um, then you want to hold down to the bottom of the stem, really as far as you're comfortable. I've even seen people who kind of like set the bottom of the glass in their flat palm, right, and then you kind of curl your fingers up around the the foot of the glass. I wouldn't recommend that. That seems like a recipe for disaster, but yes. um, really as far down as you're, you're comfortable to keep your body temperature away from the wine, right? So if you're ordering wine in a restaurant... Get the second cheapest. Not the cheapest cheapest. That, the that second is your, cheapest. your little life hack, isn't it? Listen, if it was up to me, listen, if it's a big fancy night out, that's not a rule that applies. But I... There are certain restrictions I have to put in place for myself because I have very little, uh, what I believe most grown-ups call impulse control. <laughs> so instead of going like, look at this fancy name. Oh, and it's expensive. It must be good. The thing that I have to put on myself is like, okay, <laughs> you are allowed to get the second cheapest. You don't have to get the cheapest. You can get the second cheapest. And that's how I avoid spending more money than I have. And going into debtor's prison. <laughs> so your server or if your restaurant has a sommelier, they might say things like soft versus heavy, light versus full body, delicate versus rich or sweet versus earthy. But if you tell someone who knows about wine, I had this one wine that I really enjoyed that tastes like butter and green apples, they should be able to find something for you that you like. And, you know, if they can't, Maybe they'll find something similar enough that you'll enjoy as well. I would also say when you are doing, it's a little bit of like a read the situation kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. Where if you're looking and the wine list is like three pages long, right? Then, yeah, if you go somewhere that, where they have like six wines listed and mm -hmm. there's like maybe one red, one white, one spark kind of deal, don't they may not be as well-versed in the thing, right? It's like, I don't know, man, but we have a huge beer list. Like, our on-tap list is gigantic. It's like, okay, that's probably where they're specialized. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, so, again, it doesn't hurt to know the difference between, like, old world and new world wines, right? So an example of old world would be, like, you know, France, Spain, and Italy, Right. Sure. Those are some big ones. And then New World would be like California, Washington, New Zealand, places like that. Sure. Right. Um, and here's the thing. Right. 
again, wine doesn't have to be super old or super expensive to be enjoyable. Um, so don't don't let that hold you back in trying to find something that you enjoy. There's wines at every level that people like. Um, on that note, a couple of years ago, not a couple, more than a couple, several, several years, maybe a decade or so ago, a wine publication called Wine Spectator created a 100-point scale to rate wines. Mm. Um, and it is confusing because 95 to 100 is called a great wine. 90 to 94 is outstanding. 85 to 89 is very good. 80 to 84 is good. 75 to 79 is mediocre. Like, it... it I have also, because we, Justin and Griffin and I, have talked about celebrity wines. Uh, I've never seen a wine, since I've become aware of that out of 100, I don't think I've ever seen anything below 85. Right. And frankly, guys, outstanding is above great. Like, let outstanding is above, <laughs> should be above great. Right? Where do you think classic should fall in there? Classic shouldn't be. The classic is not a statement <laughs> I know, of right? quality. It's a statement of age. Most sommeliers do not like this system. It should go awesome. Totally tubular. <laughs> radical. <laughs> but it's just another tool. If you find something, you know, that's graded less than 75, I, know, I guess, if you only paid $5 for it, I don't know. Um, and... Here's another thing. You can play with your pairings, right? Okay, we've all heard that darker meats, like red meat, should go with a red wine, while lighter meats go with a white wine. But um, do you remember the the master sommelier that we heard from two episodes ago? Yes. He says that he loves uh, pairing a red wine with a McDonald's cheeseburger. Well, there you go. That's red meat. I know, but like, it's not like a steak. It's not filet mignon. You don't need... Like what pairs with chicken nuggets? Probably a white. Maybe. Right. Or maybe a very fruity red. Oh, see, I would think a really like crisp green apple white would go great with chicken nuggets because I'm imagining eating green apple slices with chicken nuggets. And I'm like, I know that that rules. One common saying is what grows together goes together. So if you are eating French food, drink French wine. Sure. Right. But with all of it. Don't take any of it too seriously. So whether it's whiskey or tea or coffee or beer or wine or sake or even marijuana, right? Um, those things are made to bring us joy. And there's a lot of people who um, are interested in being connoisseurs, a lot of resources that you can go and look up and figure out what to pair it with, what it goes best with, all that kind of stuff. So I hope that you are, you know, Dedicated to a delightful experience. And, you know, I, I think that it, I was about to say goes without saying, but the opposite of that, it does not go without saying. It is important to say that when we talk about any of this stuff, what we are talking about is you figuring out what you like. These are not tools to judge what other people like. That's not how we do here. No, and I think that that is a thing that often gives people who, say, like wine or like beer or like that, things like the term snob, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's Definitely. just like, man, I love knowing the kind of wines I like. I love knowing what kind of whiskey I like. Someone, like, saying that they, well, I just am kind of a Jack Daniels guy. I'm not going to be like, oh, gross. Get out. I don't care. Cool, man. Great. 
what clink cheers right like <laughs> so that idea yes. of cheers my love when we talk about these things this is ways for you to be comfortable um figuring out what kind of these things you enjoy and not so you can say it's gross that you like that that's not okay that is not an okay way to go uh speaking of knowing the things you like and gross i'm gonna ask you for money <laughs> um Please consider. Now that's a segue. Yeah, that thank was great. You. One last time, uh, this this Max Fund Drive, I want to ask you to consider going to MaximumFun.org slash join. Uh, see if there's a support level that works for you. Support the shows that you love. Um, this isn't like a, you know, oh, I'd hate to have to stop doing the show. It's not that. Right? That's not what we're doing. It's more saying we want to be able to grow this show, uh, continue making it a priority, um, continue to do like cost of living increases for like Alex and Rachel and everybody who works with us. And that is a priority for us, right? Because they work hard and they're worth it. And, and continue to compensate people for their time. If exactly. They have guests or other things. All that stuff. And that is made possible through the support that you give guys give us each year in the Max Fund Drive. So please consider going to MaximumFund.org uh, slash join and either becoming a member upgrading your membership or just boosting it a couple bucks a month if that is what you're feeling. Uh, we appreciate it no matter what. We also just appreciate you listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you uh, for sharing another like 40 minutes with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you to Alex, our researcher, without whom we would not be able to make this show. Thank you to Rachel, our editor, without whom we would not be able to make the show. And thank you to you for listening. Without your support, we wouldn't be here. Um, what else, Teresa? Thank you to Brent, Brent of Floss Black, for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Thank you to Bruja Betty Pennant Photography for the cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. If you love to give and get excellent advice from other fans, go ahead and join that group today. And again, thank you to you for all of your topic submissions and your idioms and your ideas. Please continue to send those to schmannerscast at gmail.com and say hi to Alex because she reads everyone. Uh, that's going to do it for us. So thank you and uh, join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Schmanners, Schmanners. Get it. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.